G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I could tell you that God is primarily concerned about your comfort and convenience, but that just wouldn't be true. He's much more interested in your character and maturity, and so often he calls us into radical, uncomfortable faith for that very reason. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're continuing with the next message in a series called Having the Sort of Faith that Conquers the World. So let's head into God's Word and do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you grow in faith as you draw ever closer in a rich, powerful, dynamic relationship with Jesus. Have you ever felt God asking you to do something that is so radical, so counterintuitive that you think you're going mad? I have on more than one occasion. And as I speak with great men and women of God, as I interview them, as I meet them and get to know some of the giants of faith that I go to church with, that I work with, here's what I've discovered listening to their stories. The more open we are to God, the more we spend time in prayer, the more we take God's word to heart as though it's true and as though it's actually meant for us, the more God asks us to do crazy things. I have a dear friend who, against every personal desire and aspiration that he had for himself and his family, moved across the other side of the world to take on a job for four years that God had called him to do. Now, most days were a struggle. Most days he was homesick. Most days he didn't really understand why God had called him into that place. But four years on, as he was heading back home again, can I tell you the impact that his presence, his skills, his wisdom, his insight and energy and persona has had, not just on the organisation that he worked for, but in the lives of tens of thousands of people that organisation ministers to, is just enormous. Yeah, the more we listen to God, the more we find him asking us to do crazy things, radical things, things we wouldn't consider doing if it was left up to us. And that's exactly what happened to Noah. We're looking today again at faith in this series that I've called simply, By Faith. That's a phrase you find a lot throughout the Bible, and nowhere more so than in the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 11. It's a chapter that talks all about faith, the sort of faith we need to make it through the trials and the temptations of life. The sort of faith we need to see the big picture, to get life into perspective. The sort of faith that we need to please God, because without faith, without the assurance of things we hope for and the rock-solid evidence of faith in our hearts of the things we can't yet see, it's completely impossible to please God. Now, I want you to put yourself for a moment in Noah's shoes. You're living a happy life? Okay, the world around you is a bit corrupt, but there's nothing new or surprising about that. You, your wife, your family, you're having a great little life there, and God says to you, Hey, Noah, I know you live miles and miles and miles away from the nearest lake or ocean, but I want you to build a honking great big boat, a big one. We're going to call it an ark, because I'm going to flood the world 
kill everyone and you and your family and two of every species of animal are going to be the only ones that survive. So get to it, start building this boat. Now, you and I know what happened. We know how the story turns out. But poor old Noah had none of the benefits of the 2020 hindsight that you and I have. He didn't even have the Bible that we have to believe in God through. He'd never even heard of Jesus. All he knew is that this God came along and told him to build a boat in the middle of nowhere. Talk about feeling stupid. Imagine going home to the little missus that night. She asks you, well, how was work, Noah? Well, I was chatting with God, and we've come up with this great plan. We are going to build a boat, a big one, an ark. She says, a boat? Are you crazy? And not just the little missus. Imagine what the neighbours had to say. Hey, have you seen what Noah's up to? He's really flipped his lid this time. He's building, wait for it, an ark. Nah, not even Noah's that crazy. Yeah, really, an ark, 300 cubits long. The laughter, the ridicule that must have gone on down at the local pub each night as Noah and his sons built that ark. What does God tell us in Hebrews chapter 11 about this? What's God's summation of Noah's craziness? Look, verse 7. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning and built an ark to save his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. What Noah needed to do this extreme thing was extreme faith, and it yielded extreme results. I've had some times in my life when God has called me to do the craziest things. Bernie, leave your secure, high-paying consulting career and become involved in this media ministry that's stopped doing what it's meant to be doing, that's almost broke and ready to shut its doors. Bernie, go and start broadcasting your Australian programs in Africa, when there was only one guy I even knew in Africa. Bernie, go and hire a man in India to start broadcasting your programs over there, even though there isn't a single door open to start doing what I'm calling you to do. Bernie, okay. today it's a thousand radio stations airing these programs. Today it's millions of listeners each week. Today it seems like the obvious thing to have done. But each time God called me to do something crazy, it was just that, dead set crazy. Maybe not as crazy as Noah's gig, but that didn't help me at the time. So when was the last time God called you to do something crazy? Something happens in that place that I can't quite explain. There are many times when I've listened to sage advice from mature men and women around me, and that's been the right thing to do. But at those major turning points, the, the truly crazy ones... There's been a pull in my heart from God that, that was as scary as it was unmistakable. And at those turning points, the Noah points, I've pretty much had to ignore the sage advice I was getting from the people I trusted and just go with a call in my heart. At those times, it's been scary, and, and at those times, I've made some mistakes. Not everything always worked out the way I'd planned it in my head. We didn't always get everything right first time. Things didn't always happen as quickly as I wanted them to happen. It was eight years from when I felt the call to go and tell people about Jesus until I took on the role that I'm doing now. It was almost three years between when we hired that wonderful man in India and when God actually opened the doors to a weekly radio audience on a major secular network of 30 million people each week. And, and it never felt much like faith. It, it was uncertain. It was murky. It was unclear. But off we went. 
with this dream in our hearts and with a certain reality that we'd rather look like idiots, that we'd rather fall flat on our faces and fail, rather than miss out on what God was doing. At times, I'm prepared to admit to the people around me, I looked like an idiot. But then so did Noah. And the God that Noah served and the God that I serve and the God that you serve never, ever chastises us for having too much faith. Sometimes, not every day, but sometimes faith is doing scary, crazy, counterintuitive things that God calls us to do. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected that warning and built an ark to save his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. So, what are you waiting for? I'm Bernie Dimes and you're listening to Christianity Works. I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw ever closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse, together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now also receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 300 722-415 Sign up to receive fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now most of us want to be safe and comfortable. In fact, some people make that the central purpose of their lives. But you know what I've noticed? Whenever God calls me to do something for him, my safety and my comfort seem to be the last thing on his mind. It's not a nice feeling But if you want to start living out the sort of faith that conquers the world, then it's a feeling that we're going to have to get used to. We've been chatting over these past few weeks about faith, not in a theoretical sense, but in a rubber-hits-the-road sense, because faith is that thing we need to get through the things that we can't handle on our own. Faith is what we need to move that great big obstacle that's blocking our way when it's way too big for us to climb over or crash through or walk around. Faith is what we need to overcome that one nagging sin in our lives that keeps on coming back to rob us of the joy and peace that Jesus came to give us. And faith is what we need to go and do the difficult things that God sometimes calls us to do. The inconvenient things, the uncomfortable things, the things we'd rather not have to do, thanks very much, Lord. So that's the sort of faith we're going to chat about right now. Uncomfortable faith. Because no one ever had an impact in this world by playing it safe, right? When Jesus calls us into a place to make a difference in someone's life, It's often because that person's life is, well, a bit of a mess and it's going to hurt us to have to be in that place with that person. When Jesus calls us out of our nice, safe, comfortable existence to go and do something for him, I can guarantee you it's not going to be convenient and it's not going to be comfortable. It requires faith. People sometimes ask me, Bernie, why is it that even though I believe in Jesus, I don't know, 
Somehow it doesn't feel real. There's no passion. There's no fire. There's no excitement. And my response is always the same. I ask them two questions. Question one, how much time do you spend quietly each day alone with Jesus, with the door closed and the Bible open? And question two, what are you doing with your faith? How are you living it out? Now, question one is really important, because unless we're spending that time alone with Jesus each day, growing in a dynamic relationship with him, well, shazam, shazam, there's not going to be much of a relationship. But today I want to focus on question two. What are you doing with your faith? And when I meet someone who has that that vague, unsettled feeling about their faith, this sense that there should be something more, there should be power, there, there should be impact, I can almost guarantee you that, in effect, they're a spiritual couch potato. And by that I mean they're not living out their faith. They're not getting out there and making a difference in this world, taking risks, putting it all on the line for Jesus. And just like someone who spends their life sitting on the sofa, channel surfing cable TV, drinking soft drinks, eating chips, is going to end up feeling lethargic. The Christian who isn't exercising their faith is going to feel precisely the same. Don't believe me? Well, it's exactly what the Bible tells us. James chapter 2, verse 26, says that for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. So as we come to look at faith again today, we're going to do so from the perspective of Abraham, a man who was called out of the comfort of his ancestral home in Ur, which is around about where modern-day Baghdad is today. Have a listen. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 8. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land which had been promised to him, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were the heirs with him of that same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received the power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of the sand by the seashore. Now perhaps you remember that story. Abraham is the father of Israel the nation. He and his wife Sarai in their mid-seventies were childless, a source of great anguish and shame that equated God's blessing with having lots of children and having your own land to live in. And so what was God's solution? To promise Abraham and Sarah many, many descendants, if only they'll leave their safe, comfortable ancestral home behind and go out on a journey through the wilderness, through all sorts of strange and weird and wonderful places only God knows where. A familiar story to many, I suppose. And yet what we often miss is the context. Let me say it again. The definition of God's blessing in that time and that culture, in fact you see it over and over again in the Old Testament, is firstly that you had lots of children, and secondly that you own your own land to live in. If you had both of those things, then you were considered to be blessed of God. The more children and the more land you had, the more, quite obviously, God was in the business of blessing you. But if you didn't have them then you were considered to be cursed of God. Obviously, you'd done something wrong. Obviously, you must have been a bad person. That was the thinking. Now, Abraham was a wealthy man. He had lots of flocks of animals, which means he had a lot of land. So when God called him out of that onto his journey with this promise of many children, 
Do you see what God was asking him to do? God was asking Abraham to give up that one half of the blessing that he already did have in order to get the other half, which was lots of descendants. And and what made this so crazy was that he and his wife were in their 70s, way past the age where Sarah could bear children. Abraham and Sarah had to let go of this blessing and step out in faith, God knows where, in order to get that blessing. My friend, that is so often how God works. So long as we think our lives are about being comfortable and safe, no risks, no need for faith, no need to rely on God for food and shelter and provision, and so long as we make our comfort and our safety the priority, our faith is going to be dead. God's main aim isn't to make you and me comfortable. His main aim is to grow our character by making us part of his plan to touch and reach a lost and hurting world with his love. God's plan isn't that we should have a huge superannuation or pension fund so that we can spend our retirement indulging our senses in food and travel and luxury and relaxation. His plan is to use us to reach out to our neighbour with his mercy and grace and love. And so the solution for the spiritual couch potato... The answer to getting rid of that lethargy and bringing a new vigour and anticipation to our faith, it's always the same. The one who would live a vibrant, exciting faith, a life where the power of God is manifest before their very eyes, is the one who goes to God and pleads, Lord, show me where you want me to go, what you want me to do, what sacrifices you want me to make, what risks you want me to take so that the name of Jesus would be lifted up in this world. Oh, Lord, wherever you call me and whatever it'll cost me, I want to go. Give me the courage. Fill me with your spirit. Show me where and how and when I can lose my life for you, dear Jesus, in order that I might find it. Friends, start praying prayers like that one, and I guarantee you that God won't take long to answer you. I guarantee you that before you know it, you'll be in a place where you see God's power in action, because frankly, without it, You'll be in trouble. I'm Bertie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. As you've probably heard me say before, the only sort of faith that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. And yet so many people who believe in Jesus struggle to live out that sort of faith. Well, that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Having the Sort of Faith That Conquers the World. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you. And at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So, if you'll pardon the pun, how comfortable are you with ditching comfort and convenience. Because living out the sort of faith that's going to conquer the world, as we've seen, means getting right out there, way outside your comfort zone, and relying on God, being in a place where unless He shows up, you're going to fall flat on your face. Let's get back into His Word and take a look. 
God's word stands in such contrast to our hopes and our desires and our ambitions for comfort and convenience, doesn't it? Yes, God is a God of outrageous blessing, but it's a blessing that follows along behind our obedience to him. You and I, we want to put the cart before the horse so often because we've been taught over and over again that it's all about us. I come first. I'm the most important one. You know, my parents emigrated to Australia from Europe just after World War II. They brought us into this world in this great new land of opportunity that they'd made their home, this land of freedom and of plenty that embraced them as new migrants. And what they wanted for my sister and for myself was a better life than the one that they'd had. They worked so hard, they sacrificed so much so that we could have a great education, so that we could learn and study and grow and have all the things that they'd missed out on through that terrible world war. But the easiest thing for me as a recipient of their sacrifice was to take all their serving of me and misinterpret it to mean that it's all about me. That's not what they meant at all. I mean, they taught me a very strong work ethic. But because I had parents who loved me and sacrificed for me, the natural selfishness that we all have, that selfishness that was in me, twisted that around. And so I lived much of my early adulthood in this belief that it truly was all about me. In fact, the term the me generation was invented for my generation, the baby boomers. We were all pretty much like that. And that mistake is exactly the mistake that so many times we make as we misinterpret the love and the grace and the blessing of God in our lives. Jesus talked about this very thing, our tendency to put the cart before the horse, to put our comfort and convenience before the will of God in our lives. Have a listen to what he said. There's every chance you're quite familiar with this passage. He was talking about our natural desires for enough food to eat and and clothes to wear and all those physical needs that we seem to worry so much about. He was saying, look, don't worry about those things. Your Father in Heaven knows everything you need and you're worth so much to Him, of course He's going to provide all your needs. And the punchline, the executive summary of all that went something like this. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 33. Jesus said, look, don't worry about these things. Instead, strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. In other words, put God first. Put God's will first. Put obedience to God first. Sacrifice first. Following where he calls us first. And all those other things, which, by the way, aren't the main things. They'll follow along behind as surely as night follows day. Friend, he's not saying here that we shouldn't have our needs met. He's not saying we shouldn't have clothing or food or shelter. Jesus is simply saying, people, get your priorities right. And getting our priorities right, putting him first, takes faith. It does. When our funds are limited and running low, it takes faith to take the first fruits of our income and give them to God to support his work. When there's been a global financial crisis, it takes faith to step out and use all our resources for the glory of God. When people are being critical, when they're being obnoxious, you know something? It takes faith to love them with the love with which Jesus loved us. It takes faith to forgive them. It takes faith to hold them. And when it's hurting like hell, When the pain of our sacrifice for Jesus is more than we really want to take, it takes faith to say, Father, not my will, but 
but let your will be done. Exactly what Jesus did for you and me in that garden called Gethsemane, just before he was handed over to be nailed to that terrible, terrible cross. My friend, Jesus isn't looking just for believers. He's looking for disciples. He's looking for men, women and children who are prepared to lay down their lives and take up their cross each day to follow him. He's looking for men and women and children who aren't in the business of saving their own skins, for those will surely lose it, but who are in the business of laying down their lives for him by faith, knowing that that's how they'll discover real life, by faith. Strive ye first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Get your priorities right. Put God first. And all these other things will be given to you as well. You know why it takes faith? Because at the time it feels like we're losing something. At the time it feels like we're in a dangerous place. At the time it feels unfair. At the time it hurts. But truly I tell you, when we take up our cross, when we follow after Jesus with our cross on our shoulder, prepared to lay down our lives, that's when we discover true satisfaction. You know, I think sometimes we spend way too much effort standing up for our rights so that we forget that we should be laying down our lives for Jesus. May God bless you as you live out your faith. all we have time for today but before i go there's something very important that i need to share with you this program christianity works is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to grow in their faith to live in the victory that jesus died and rose again to give them but that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you each dollar that you give towards the ministry of christianity works today will help reach over two and a half thousand people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling one 722 And please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier, Having the Sword of Faith that Conquers the World. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.